Hotel. Polly Pill. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. And my first story is space news. This is from CNN. Loki, a volcano on one of Jupiter's moons, could erupt this month. Wow. Space volcano. It's like a video That's... game level. I love it. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I was laughing Ju- and burping at the same time. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Please continue. Sure. Jupiter's moon Io is the most volcanically active body in our solar system, according to NASA. And Loki is the most powerful volcano on Io. It's so bright in the infrared that it can be detected with uh, telescopes from Earth. Cool. Yeah, real bright. Uh, Loki also likes to keep a schedule, astronomers have noticed. And if their calculations are correct, it should be erupting this month. Um, Observations over the last two decades have shown that Loki brightens during eruptions. Yeah, surprising there. I feel like I could have figured that one out. Uh, During the 1990s, Loki erupted every 540 days, which is so weird that it would just be on a schedule like that. Yeah. Um, And now those eruptions seem to occur every 475 days. They did not say why it changed, but uh, more on that later, Hmm. I guess. Uh, Volcanoes are usually hard to predict because a variety of factors can lead to eruptions, but Loki is different. Uh, According to Julie Rathbun, who is a senior scientist at the Planetary Science Institute, she says, We think that Loki could be predictable because it is so large. Because of its size, basic physics are likely to dominate when it erupts, so the small complications that affect smaller volcanoes are likely to not affect Loki as much. Isn't that weird? Like, just because it's big, it's more beholden to physics, I guess? I, that's, okay, yeah. I don't, I don't know. She's a, she's a senior scientist, so I, <laughs> so I'm not going to question her. She clearly her. knows more than me. Oh, 100% more than me, so. It's fascinating. Um, but, she says, the pattern could be disrupted again. She points out, Loki is named after a trickster god, and the volcano has not been known to behave itself. <laughs> In the early 2000s, once the 540-day pattern was detected, Loki's behavior changed, <laughs> and, and it did not exhibit periodic behavior again until about 2013. So that's when they started seeing the 475-day periodic It's I like, oh, were, you caught me. You, fi- you figured it out. <laughs> I got to switch it up. <laughs> generate a new random number, 475. Yeah. <laughs> so... I thought that was kind of cool. I've never, I didn't. That is cool. I don't, I, I don't know why I never thought of space volcanoes as a thing, but obviously they would be. Same. I, I didn't like, think of that. E- well, this is on a moon, right? It's on a moon, yeah. I, I especially didn't think of them on moons because. Well, our moon doesn't have volcanoes. Yeah. But, but I like, guess there's a lot of moons. I don't know why I thought like a moon would be too small to have different. Because the whole thing with like a volcano is there's different layers of like the mm-hmm. outer crust of the thing, right? The yes, celestial body, if you will. Um, and I've never thought that moons were like big enough to have that, but I don't know why that was. I mean, I was just a false assumption. I hope, for all we know, could be as big as Earth, just given yeah. that Jupiter's massive. Yeah, because Jupiter's so huge. I'm sure if That's I true. actually looked up the information, I could find it, but I'm not going to. <laughs> we're gonna have to. <laughs> I choose to be ignorant. (laughs) Ignorance (laughs) is bliss. Okay, my first story is also space news. What? 
And I'm super excited about this because it's sort of going off of what we talked about last week. Okay. With like tourism in space. Yes. Um, so this is from CNN and the headline is designs revealed for incredible new space hotel. Okay. And this is a real thing a company is actually planning. And I was like, that's so perfect because we just talked about this. Um, but a Californian company called the Gateway Foundation has released plans for the Von Braun Station, a cruise ship style hotel in space. The aim is to get the hotel off the ground by 2025 and make it fully operational for travel by 2027. That's like seven years from now. Wait, they want to get it off the ground in 25. And And in two years after its launch, be ready for like people to stay there. Okay. So it would be in orbit for a couple of years while they figure everything out. Yeah. Okay. I guess. Okay. That's what their plan is. Yeah. But if we the think. Second, of- I was just thinking that meant just like get it up. Off the ground <laughs> and then leave it there, I guess. It says, fu- <laughs> it says fully operational for travel. I'm assuming that means like accepting guests. Yeah, okay. That makes, that makes more sense. I thought, I, thought, I thought it meant it traveling. Oh. I was like, it seems like it should already be doing that if it's oh, yeah, I, up there. Sorry, that's, a, not, that's nonsense. Hopefully, I, I yeah. interpreted it right. So, okay. So, according to digitally rendered video and images released by the company, the station resembles a rotating wheel comprised of 24 modules, and it orbits the Earth. So, it's basically like that thing in that is in Xenon. Have you seen Xenon, that Disney original movie? I've seen it. It's been a from the 90s. Long time. Okay. Well, she lives in a space station that's an orbiting wheel. And is that it kind of like of the that. Citadel in Mass Effect? Yeah, I don't remember now because I played Mass Effect a long time ago. Is that also an orbit? Is it a wheel? It's a big. It's a big circle. I think part of it is like the. It's like a spokes. Okay. Wheel. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think this one is a big circle. Okay, so similar, similar idea. But yeah, <laughs> I can. I can picture a wheel in space. Yeah, just picture like a wagon wheel, but in space. That's what this is. Um. So, um, like the physics of it would work by like when it spins, it simulates gravity towards like the outer edges of the station, basically. So if you're in the very center of it, you won't feel as much gravity, but if you're on like the outer parts, you'll feel more of like a pseudo gravity, I guess. Okay. That's what they're planning. Hey, um, I'll believe they're scientists, I guess. (laughs) Um, and then the, the, uh, aesthetic inside is supposed to be. Warm suites with carpets and stylish monochrome touches and chic bars that wouldn't look out of place on Earth, just with stargazing views. Like, they basically said that they took all of this, like, kind of sci-fi trope aesthetic, and they want to do the opposite of that. And they want to make it basically, like, a cruise ship oh. look. I wish they'd gone sci-fi aesthetic. That sounds more fun to me. <laughs> if I'm in space, like, I want to like, feel like I'm in space. I think they want it to be, like, more comfy, kind of, but that's a good point i can I mean, be I comfy know. i can be comfy on earth <laughs> yeah like i don't want to be comfortable that's a good point it's a good point like why do that just make it different yeah, yeah i don't know i would i would love to go on a vacation where i get to stay in like a sci-fi themed hotel but it's like actually in space that sounds awesome that's a good point now that i'm thinking about this yeah i think i agree with you yeah yeah cancel the uh, whole project <laughs> um they also said that they're going to have activities for guests to enjoy that take advantage of the fact that you'll be able to jump higher, lift things, and run in ways that you couldn't on Earth. 
And the only example they gave of that was some type of like space basketball, but like okay. that is the only thing probably they could think of that incorporates all three of those things. But yeah, <laughs> like they're going to have all these like activities and stuff. I don't know. Um, and then they said that it could also be used for research purposes as well as potentially asteroid mining, which like, I don't know how you fit that into like a l- cruise <laughs> space station, but okay. I don't know. You got to tell the investors um, something. Yeah, yeah. And so apparently this isn't the only company working on this. So um, Elon Musk is also working on like some type of like visitable space station. And also Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, is also working on some type of visitable space station, Hmm. supposedly. Um, Sure, they can't find anything else to do with that money. And the, the price proposals for a stay at one of these locations. What what do you think? How much do you think it costs for a person too to much, go on a trip? Too much. Like think of it like a like a cruise where you pay pay like one right price like a, for the whole rate for thing. like a week or something. Yeah. Uh, how much do you think it costs? Two million. That's actually a really good guess. That's very middle of the road of the range that it said in this article. Oh hey. Like the low. Like it said the basically the range was like two hundred fifty thousand dollars per person to like nine million. Dollars. Cool. For one person. Cool, cool, cool. So it'll be it'll be <laughs> so, in my lifetime, but I'll never actually be able to do it. Yep. Um, and this this particular company that I've been talking about, like their vision is they don't want it to be that expensive. Like they want it to be actually like accessible for normal people. Yeah, like they want to make it like like the pr- cost of a trip on a cruise or a trip to Disneyland is what they said. But I'm like, there's no way there's that's going to be possible. No. Like, are you kidding me? No. We have like lots the, of people into space. The rocket fuel alone is just like, it, it would not no. be practical. Yeah. But like, they're, unless they're like yeah. tying you to a bird and just hoping the bird can carry you up there. Well, like, I think if they could come up with a way to make it accommodate like a lot of people at once, mm. maybe they could make it work. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, that's, that's their vision at least. So I'll believe it when I say it. And I won't um, see it. I yeah. Well, okay. In eight years, supposedly they're trying to get this thing to be done. I, I don't believe that that's possible to be done that fast because no. that's like incredibly fast <laughs> for a tourist space station. But uh, yeah. Will they have a ball pit? They didn't mention that, but I hope they do because mm-hmm. we decided that was necessary. Yeah, I'm not going if they don't have a ball pit. I'll just. Write in some feedback, like email them some feedback. Yeah, just send them an email. Okay. <laughs> My next story is food news. This is from CNN. Kroger will start selling longer-lasting avocados this week. They've been Can hiding I, them. They've just hold, oh, holding yeah. on to the, sh- the short-lasting <laughs> ones and selling those first. Is it okay. that that like coating that we talked about mm-hmm. a while ago? This like is that a, special? This is a callback. Yeah. Which I didn't realize until I started reading the article. Um, this week, uh, Kroger will start selling avocados treated with a plant-based solution that helps slow down decay. The fruit will be available in about uh, 1,100 of Kroger's nearly 2,800 stores. Uh, when treated with the innovative coating, which is colorless, odorless, um, and uh, mixed with water and then sprayed, brushed, or otherwise applied to lock in moisture and block oxygen, uh, the produce should last at least twice as long as regular avocados. Kroger will sell the avocados um, 
as well as asparagus and limes at a later date. I don't know why those are the ones that they've chosen, but <laughs> fine. Um, they'll sell them at the same price as untreated versions of the produce, and they're testing various marketing programs to determine how customers will know what <laughs> that they are buying something different. Like, Because when you think about it, on, on the shelf, theoretically, they're all going to look the same. Yeah. Because ideally, you're already getting fresh produce, so... Somehow they have to communicate, hey, this is going to last longer. Because, yeah, you can't, when you're making a spur of the moment decision at a grocery store, is you're not really thinking in the long term, <laughs> I guess. Um, so the company that makes the coating is called Appeal, A P E E L, which is the company that we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember exactly in what context. I don't remember if they were piloting something or what. Uh, I don't remember either. Yeah, I'd yeah. have to look back. Um, which I won't, um, but they make the coding. Uh, they're a seven-year-old startup that has raised $110 million from a number of investors, including the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Hmm. Um, and uh, while Kroger buys appeal-treated produce at a premium, it saves more than it spends by reducing waste, though they did not disclose exactly how much that they save, but that's kind of cool. They're yeah, pay- so they're paying cool. more, and even though they're selling it for the same price, they're actually making up for it just by not throwing so many avocados out. That is so cool. And whoever came up with this idea, that's like a genius idea. Right? Like, just they they also pointed well, out like all the econ- or the environmental benefits of it yeah. like, cuz avocados are very water intensive crops mm. um they think they can save like a billion gallons of water a year like that's so awesome from the reduction in food waste from like spoiled avocados just being thrown out that's awesome yeah like just yeah just that's the amount of food waste that happens today is just like so much and anything we can do to reduce that I think is great. Yeah. No, I th- so. this is awesome. Limes and asparagus, I don't get quite as much, but. Yeah, that, that seems weird to me, but. Avocados make a lot of sense because just the, the intensity with like, they, they need a lot of water. Well, also I, I was under the impression they were going to use this on things that had a peel that you would remove anyway like that's a good point like why would you put it on a spare like are you supposed to be able to eat i'm sure it's like safe to eat yeah well it's all plant-based it's just stuff that it like naturally occurs in plants already okay so they didn't even need fda clearance because it's like it's all natural okay um Um, so i guess you can consume it and it's they said it's flavorless and odorless so i guess it really doesn't matter if it has a peel okay plus like even limes like you're gonna probably use the peel too so i don't know would you? Yeah. Wouldn't Don't you? Have you ever like zested a lime? That's true. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's true. You can <laughs> zest it. I was just thinking like, well, with li- lemons and limes, you like you use the juice, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, not- yeah. But like asparagus is, doesn't fit the pattern of the other things. That's Very true. I don't. I don't peel my asparagus before I eat it. I throw it in the garbage like, before I, I eat it. <laughs> I- I don't like asparagus I, very much. Yeah, I, I can tell. Um, the other thing is, I wonder if it works on like leaves of plants, like fresh herbs or something like that? I mean, yeah, I don't know. know? Like the whole point, I think, is to lock in moisture. So I imagine that would benefit anything as long as the like coating can stay adhered to it. Because if it's completely safe to consume 
and you just sprayed it on like fresh herbs and then they just lasted and they were fresh longer, that'd be cool too. Yeah. If it's, if it's as good as they say, they just put it on everything. Yeah. Spray it on some meat. <laughs> just spray. Just see what happens there. Why not? We should experiment with this. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Let's just, let's just buy a chicken just- breast. Spray it with this stuff and Wait, leave it out buy- and see what happens. <laughs> I want to do that. Wait, do you know if they're going to sell this to just consumers? Yeah, like, I don't know if it's going to be like, commercially like, available or like, if it's only for manufac- like yeah. places that are not manufacturing avocados. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, I, know, I know what you mean, like food processing places and stuff. Yes. Like, I want to buy a spray bottle of this stuff and spray just it on Just spray it on things and see what, what happens. Yeah. Spray it on my face and see if I maintain a healthy glow. Yeah, or- maybe you could... <laughs> Just has moisturizer. I mean, like, it keeps in moisture. I mean, keeps like, in moisture. why couldn't you put it? It's all natural. It's put it on your face. Completely natural, yeah. And then if you, like, break out in a rash, then I'm not going to eat it. You know what I mean? Like, that's a good point. Like, <laughs> test it on a, on a place you can see, you know, before you consume something. <laughs> okay, my next story is animal news. <laughs> This is from NBC News. An organic pesticide recently approved by the EPA and intended to help ease the decline of the bee population in the U.S. will be delivered in a novel way by the bees themselves. Hmm. They didn't sign up for this. (laughs) Seems a little manipulative. Yeah, we're kind of playing the system a little bit, but I don't know. The fungicide known as Vectorite was created by bee vectoring technologies in Canada for use on high-value crops such as strawberries, blueberries, almonds, and sunflowers, and is set to be rolled out this fall. Beekeepers in the U.S. have reported a nearly 41% loss of their honeybee colonies over the past year, with winter losses the highest ever recorded. Um, So that was just this past year, so that's not good. Um, Some crops, including blueberries and cherries, are 90% dependent on honeybee pollination. Oh, wow. Um, The decline of bees has been linked to pesticides, and agricultural land is now 48 times more toxic to them than it was 25 years ago because of the types of pesticides that are commonly used on crops. That doesn't sound good for food. Oh, no, it's not. Yeah, it's it's really not good. Hmm. Um, So in 2017, scientists discovered that um, fungicides, which are a type of pesticide targeted at mold, are one of the strongest factors linked to the declines in bumblebees. So they found that like those specific that specific type of like pesticide for fungus was very detrimental to the bees. So mm. um, this company created this fungicide that's like bee friendly and it doesn't hurt them at all, but it still kills the mold on the plants. And it's somehow like they didn't. If they did go into this, I didn't understand like how they like attach it to the bees, but it's like very bee friendly, and they're thinking of actually delivering it by having it be on the bees themselves and like releasing the bees. Then they like go and and then that, that like and part of the reason that that helps is that you don't have to then like spray extra stuff because the bees are going to be like they're going to go directly to the source, yeah, or the destination. It's actually it's like two it's like two things that are helping. It's like yeah. on one hand, just this pesticide in general is better for the bees population, but also the method of delivering it is better because you can use less and it yeah, exactly like it goes like directly there and mm-hmm. they don't have to it's supposed to like reduce the overall amount of pesticides that they have to use, period. Yeah. Using this like bee vector. That sounds like concept. a win 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 win. 
So yeah, this is a quote from the CEO of the company. Bee vectoring is an all-natural approach that simply makes sense, and our vision is to develop this system to become a viable alternative to the inefficient practice of spraying crops globally. So they're just they're trying to like move more things in that direction anyway. But uh, yeah, yeah. So make the bees do it. Right. So this just seemed cool. I know, like I keep hearing bad things about bee populations, and it scares me a little bit. It's but, pretty terrifying, especially if you really get into it, because like, oh yeah, if the bees all die, we all die too. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> and, it's not um, good, guys. It's actually there. Were, well, there was some discussion in this article too about like how we shouldn't be focusing all our efforts on like grown bee populations because a lot of the bees that they're talking about here are like they're called managed bees where there's like people that have bee farms and like kind of grow Mm -hmm. or like raise them and stuff um, that we need to focus on like just that wild bee populations too and making sure that those are healthy too because if like the biodiversity of the bees reduces that's also bad like if all the bees are just like this one type of bee that we're like managing it then that's also bad because then like something could happen and like hit that population very easily you know what i mean like right it's yeah. like putting all your eggs in one basket. Like that's yeah. kind of what they were saying it's, then too. Like, mm-hmm. so makes a lot of sense. So this isn't, you know, this line of solutions doesn't really solve the global problem of the bees necessarily, but it's like one part of it. So I thought it was cool. My next story is health news. This is from the independent all in one poly pill to treat blood pressure and cholesterol levels slashes risk of heart attack by 25%. Ooh. I mean, that sounds pretty good, right? Um, A poly pill packed with four different medications to treat high blood pressure and high cholesterol is more effective at lowering the risk of heart disease than taking the medicine separately, according to a new study. Uh, The research team examined 303 patients at a community health center in Alabama. Half of the patients were given a daily polypill made up of the four low-dose medications, while the rest were given their usual medication. Uh, and they said half of the patients were given a daily polypill, but there's 303 patients, so I don't really know how that worked out. But um, they're, hmm. the, they're the scientists. <laughs> uh, <laughs> those taking the polypill recorded higher reductions in systolic blood pressure, which is the amount of pressure in arteries during the contraction of heart muscle, uh, compared to those with the usual care or in the usual care group, um, the systolic blood pressure in the polypill group fell an average nine millimeters mercury in one year compared with two millimeters mercury in the care group, which is a pretty significant difference. Hmm. Uh, and uh, LDL cholesterol also fell an average of fifteen milligrams per deciliter compared with four <laughs> milligrams per deciliter. The Independent is a UK-based publication. I think that's probably relevant here Um, but uh in the usual care group uh those results translate to about a 25 percent reduction in the risk of experiencing a cardiovascular event such as a heart attack according to study author daniel uh munoz uh, who is the assistant professor of cardiology at vanderbilt university medical center in nashville tennessee so basically uh, it makes the bad numbers lower (laughs) <laughs> and that makes the the other number also lower. <laughs> when those numbers are reduced, their risk, their cardiac risk 
become is reduced as well. Yes. That is I think how I, that's how I that's how I'm understanding this. Okay. So um they also said that having the single pill uh uh, increases the chance that people actually stick with their medication, which oh I mean, yeah, for sure. Sense, so, like if you're taking like three different pills, it's like oh, this is blood pressure, this is cholesterol, this is something mm-hmm. else. Like that's hard. Well, especially yeah, especially for um, like elderly patients with reduced cognitive function. Like yeah, the, for it's, sure, it's harder for them to keep track of like oh, I take this one at this time, this one at this time. Like yeah, if taking it all at once is, is probably factors into that. So yeah, definitely. I, I mean. That's a pretty significant reduction in the risk, and I think I just think that's cool. Did they say if this was close to being actually available for people? Uh, they or? didn't. They didn't mention when it would be available, but I mean, presumably, since all the medications in it are fine, I, I guess they. I don't. Oh. I don't know what the process is like. They probably have to make sure there's not like weird interactions with them or something. But yeah, that's actually a really good question. If they're just kind of combining. Yeah, known combining things. known medications. I don't know, I don't know the, if that makes it easier or harder to get it approved or what. Yeah, hmm. I mean, probably not harder, easier or yeah. The it's same. either yeah. <laughs> it's probably yes. There's a 25 percent reduction in the risk of not getting this approved. I <laughs> well, I hope it gets approved quickly, and it, you know, it seems like it's working. So that's yeah. pretty exciting. No, I think that I mean that's a pretty pretty definitive numbers they got there. So. Yeah. Go science. My third story is science news. Good transition. Totally intentional. Although, this story has nothing to do with what we were just talking about. And <laughs> um, if this, if I had seen this a couple weeks later, I probably would have saved this for our Halloween episode this year. Because it's almost Halloween. Uh. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like the end of September almost. Um, uh, but I did not. So <laughs> here we go. Uh, this is from futurism.com. Um, the headline is horrifying study. Corpses thrash around for a year after death. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, apparently New research has discovered that it is common for um, people to actually like move around like in their graves after they've passed. Like their their body like moves around. Is it like the body releasing like gas or something or like so what's happening? The way that the way that they described it, it's really slow. It's not like jerky movements so or anything. Is it's a, like thrash is probably not actually the right word. Yeah, the reason they use that word is because. The the researchers they used a time lapse like time lapse photography to do oh, this. Okay. And so when you watch it which I didn't see a video of it or anything, but the way they were describing it, I think when you watch the video of it, it yeah, looks like that. That makes more but sense. But they they did a time lapse study over a period of seventeen months um to observe these movements. Um and they published their research in a new journal called Forensic Science International Synergy. Um and this research was done by scientists at the Australian Facility for Taphonomic Experimental Research, which is actually like a farm where they do scientific research with human corpses, which I don't know if you've ever heard of one of these before, but they're like, they exi- there's a few of them around the world that they exist. And the, the purpose of the research is to help with like crime forensics and stuff. Okay. So they, Why is it called a farm? I don't know, but that is what it's called. Don't, it's a, don't care for that. I, 
they're not growing anything. It's like it's certainly not <laughs> corpses. Like you can people that donate their body to science, mm-hmm. you can like donate to one of these places, okay. and they do like tests that are supposed to help solve crimes. Basically, it's kind of cool actually. Yeah, but that makes sense. But yeah, so this was just one, like a research that was done, and the people that did this were like, well, no one's ever studied this. Like, let's try this, and they figured out like, oh wow, this is actually like common that these certain movements happen like over time because of the way that like the muscles and ligaments and stuff are in your body. But huh. But now they have these time lapse videos of corpses thrashing I'm around. Go ahead and never ever watch any of those, even if they're like publicly available. They're probably not going to be publicly I would, ugh, available. That sounds so terrifying. But I mean, probably just from a privacy standpoint, that would be a violation of something. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, but like, anyway, if you didn't know, this is the whole line of research. It's for like forensic, you know. It, technology and yeah that's and, a, that's actually interesting because that probably has some implications for forensics like if they discover a body after a certain period of time and it's moved in a position that they wouldn't have expected for one reason or another yes could exactly. be attributed to this that's exactly what it's for so um it's part of it it's like adding to the knowledge that they already have when they have to calculate like time of death of someone mm-hmm. um but yeah if they know that like oh people's arms move certain ways that could help make those calculations more accurate. That's are, the, are the motions predictable? Did they say? Um, it they seem to be implying that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Which probably, I guess, like so, if it is because of like the muscles contracting over time or something, you would think it, it would be certain movements mm-hmm. that would happen. But that's interesting because if it's not predictable, that just makes forensic <laughs> scientists' jobs so much harder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They made it sound like it was predictable, but th- they didn't explicitly state that. But like. Yeah. Yeah, if it's not predictable, it's like, oh, wow, everything we thought was wrong. Like, what? But I don't know. That was fascinating to me. I know that, it was no, a little that is, Halloween-y, but. I mean, it's a little, it's a little spooky when you first said it, but it is, it is cool. All right. It's time for breaking news. The part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that were just posted today or just happened today, and we read them to you on the fly. Ready, set, go! Oh. I found this on Thrillist. Uh, does Pizza Hut's new cheese it pizza go too far? <laughs> they have a cheese it pizza now. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, the the authors went out and got this and tried it. Um, they said it's not really a pizza so much as like a it's honestly An more abomination like, it's more like a hot pocket sort of deal where it's like a stuffed thing that's like looks like a cheese it i'll show you a picture in a second that's an um, even worse description than what i was expecting they said the cheese it pizza comes in either pepperoni or cheese flavor in a box of four squares per order with marinara sauce included for dipping um and they said it's essentially cheese it pie crust enveloping cheese filling and they said it tasted a lot like a cheese it <laughs> so Guess it has that going for it. Um, they said the pepperoni one. They didn't really even taste the pepperoni. They just said it made it more salty, <laughs> and it's already pretty salty. But they really liked the cheesy one. So, uh, and that's available nationwide. But apparently, for a limited time, they didn't say how limited. And it's six forty nine for that like box of four with the dipping sauce. In case you're like rushing to go get this. Mm-hmm. Not really. Do you like Cheez-Its? <laughs> I, I do like Cheez-Its. 
I think they're I think they're pretty good. Most people like them. I don't. Like I will eat them, but they do not like I do not crave eat mm. the flavor of Cheez Its. I mean that's fair. I don't think they're like amazing, but they're I I like them. So this is what it looks like. Looks like a big Cheez It. Oh, it does look like a big Cheez It. So they nailed that part at least. Okay. Fine. But just like that's not a pizza. You're right. It's it's the, it's it's a lie on a lot of fronts, I think, and and that's probably <laughs> the biggest one. It's not a pizza, it's a hot pocket. Okay. Yeah. Which isn't a great description of anything. That's yeah, yeah, I don't think you want anything to be identified as a hot pocket. No. Not even a hot pocket. Right. So it sounds like you don't want to try that. <laughs> this episode not brought to you by Pizza Hut. <laughs> um, or Cheez Its, apparently. You know, what I, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I will say when just to balance this out? I have always thought that Pizza Hut pizza cold is the best cold pizza. I don't like any cold pizza, so Really? Yeah. Okay. But that's that's more it's more of a texture thing for me because the cheese gets all weird and I don't like that. Have you ever had Pizza Hut pizza cold? I guess technic I might have, I don't know. It's it's been a long time since I've it's knowing been... I've knowingly had Pizza Hut pizza. Same. So You know what yeah. I had today that was cheesy and very good? What? Was the uh toasted cheddar chalupa at Taco Bell. <laughs> Which should surprise nobody that I had Taco Bell, but it was really, really tasty. Okay. Yeah. It's basically like a chalupa, except they like put cheddar on the outside and toasted the thing, and it was huh. it was delicious. Hmm. I loved That's it. That's not tasty. Yeah. So get that instead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I found something on um, standard.com.uk, the UK news website. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, the headline is armed robber scared off by little girl who threw loaf of bread at him. <laughs> That's amazing. Isn't this great? <laughs> so, um, uh, so apparently this guy walked into a supermarket in Sussex and, um, he pulled out a knife and he was going to rob the place. Uh-huh. And this girl and her father were in there. And both of them just started throwing food at the guy. <laughs> and he got, it says they threw two bottles of squash and a loaf of bread. A bottle? I don't know what a bottle of squash, of squash? is, but I guess in the UK they have bottled squash. <laughs> Best thing <laughs> like, since sliced. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. Canned bread. Um, so they threw two bottles of squash and a loaf of bread at the guy. Um, and then he he fled from the shop. <laughs> um, they haven't been able to track down the suspect yet because he had like his face was kind of covered. So they're like putting out the like picture from the security camera out there to see if they can catch a guy. But yeah, yeah, th- those two they like saved the day. Did the did the store charge them? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I would hope not. They, they should get discounts for life yeah, at that place. They really should. Be a sound investment. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, security is just those two. Bottled squash. I can't. I can't get past. Should I that. look up? Wait, I'm going to look up bottled squash. Yeah. I'm really curious now. Bottled squash. Is it, gonna, is it like pureed squash? Oh, it's like a a juice or something. 
Ew. Is it squash juice? Squash, this is Wikipedia. Squash, also known as cordial in British English, is a non-alcoholic concentrated syrup used in beverage making. It sounds like it's grenadine or something. Oh. But they call it squash for some reason. Oh. That's weird. I guess less less gross. (laughs) I was really hoping it was a bottle of cubed squash. (laughs) Bottled for some reason instead of can. (laughs) Oh, well. Hey, across the big pond, they do things a little bit differently. Yeah, you never know. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever other app you'd like to use. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews and on Twitter at at knickknacknews. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.